Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Kurt Levins. Hey, Kurt. Hey, David. How about that? 3 and 0. <laughs> That's tremendous. And you know, the the uh, so Bruce has missed. He's on Bruce is on vacation right now for anyone wondering. And he's so he's missed um, uh, the two most exciting games probably of the last two seasons. Well, two two point uh, uh, zero one seasons, I guess it is what it is. Uh, and Bruce is he's going to take that personally, knowing Bruce because he's a little bit superstitious about this kind of thing. Like he, if he's grading games and the owners go on a losing streak, he actually notices that kind of thing. Like I would <laughs> never notice if if every game I graded they lost, it would never occur to me that I had anything to do with it. But Bruce is he's got that hockey superstition thing going on. Well, if we're being superstitious, we can't let him come back. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Bruce. We love you. Yeah, that we are just kidding, Bruce. Although if Bruce will never forgive himself if they lose the next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was a tremendous game, a 5-2 Oilers victory, and uh, highlighted by James Neal's four goals. And, and that's why the game was so excited. I mean, the Oilers have won other games um, by this amount, but it really has put an exclamation mark on the, the huge trade that Ken Holland pulled off. And, and I'll tell you what, when that happened this summer, Kurt, and I don't know if, if you felt it personally, but th- it was like a, a, f- a fire ran up and down the spine of Oiler fans across, uh, across Western Canada because he, there was something about Lucic on the team that just it had to change. It wasn't. It was definitely not working. I won't get into it because we've been through it ad nauseum. But even though Neil was just had a seven goal season in Calgary, and, and you know pe- people talked, wrote about him in the newspapers there as if he was the second coming of Patrick O'Sullivan by the end of the year. He was humiliated. He was benched. He wasn't playing. He was no good there. But for this trade to 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 come together in this way, like to let's face it, to rub it in a little bit on Calgary Flames. And to have Neil doing so well off the start, I, I haven't paid attention to how uh, Lucic is doing, but that was just that was thrilling. Well, I can tell you, he doesn't have seven goals. <laughs> <laughs> Does Neil have seven goals now? Seven. Is that seven? Yeah. Are you sure? No. You... Well, no. I guess six. it's seven. He's got you know six. What? I, I'm all I'm all kerfuffled because uh, that was career hat trick number seven for him. So I guess that's where the seven came from. But you know what? You're right. I mean, everybody was sitting there thinking, this is the contract that's immovable. We're stuck with it. No one's going to take this on. So, I mean, yeah, I think we all owe Ken Holland a beer. (laughs) Because uh, (laughs) the way this has turned out, man, I I think he's the king of the hill. Oh, yeah. All praise Ken Holland. Like, that, he's going to, that was a huge move. So, this is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. We've already kind of covered my good thing, which is James Neal. But I, I do want to say this. All of those goals, there was no cheapies there. All of those goals were just goal scorer goals. Yep. You know, they, the, uh, the first one, which was from the high slot, uh, on a turnover, I think it was, uh, passed onto a stick by Derek Broussard. Uh, he, he, he moved with the puck. He kept moving laterally with the puck. And he, he got it off really quick. And both those things combined to make that a very, very difficult chance for the goalie to stop. I mean, he slammed in uh, the one from the edge of the crease. Uh, he, the, the final goal was a one-timer shot from a sharp angle, but he just fired that as soon as he touched it. And I'm, I'm what was the uh, other one? Well, the, the one that really stuck in my mind was oh. the, it was the shot pass from Drysaddle right to the doorstep. Yeah. And 
you don't score those goals if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, the stick was in the perfect place. Dry saddle hit it top corner. It was a thing of beauty. What was this? Oh yeah, okay. The and then the uh, and then the second goal, this which was his first power play goal. That was the one where he showed. So he gets he's working this play down low on the power play with McDavid. McDavid passes it to him. He passes it right back. And it, and it might have happened again where Neil was just such a cool customer down there. Like he didn't sense the moment was right, so he just fired it right back to McDavid. It goes around the circle, comes back to again, and then, and then he then he pivoted and fired it in with great hands. Like he, Kurt, I don't think we're seeing a mirage here, and I hope we're not. Of course, you know it's not sustainable. The shooting percentages, the <laughs> <laughs> as we will be told by many, I'm sure, but nonetheless. We are seeing someone who can really shoot the puck and playing with people who can really set him up. It's a nice combination. Well, and this is a guy that has nine, 10 seasons of 20 plus goals. I mean, he is a, he has this track record as being a consistent NHL goal scorer and on the power play. I like what you said about being on the power play, because you know what I like about James Neal, the most other than the fact that he can put the puck in the net, he knows how much time he has on the power play. He never looks like he's in a hurry. He understands I've, I've got a quarter second here. I've got a half second there. And it gives him the chance to both make little plays and find those quiet spots on the ice where guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins can find them. If that keeps going on, uh, we've got two lines that are super dangerous going forward. And that power play with those three skill guys, Nugent Hopkins, Dreisaitl and McDavid able to con- handle the puck and throw it around. That could be killer. Yeah. And you know, the inter- five tonight, two for four, the, the night before against LA it's, it's uh, this is the, this is looks like the power play uh, that we had uh, the year we made the playoffs. Uh, so, what was I going to say? Uh, let's go with your good thing. What was your good thing? Uh, my good thing. Um, my good thing was the momentum uh, that was created from the first two lines, but then the bottom two lines didn't piss the momentum away. I mean, <laughs> you know what we've seen for the last couple of years? Everybody said, you know, the Oilers are playing line and a half hockey because really what we had was a line and a half. Well, now when those two first lines with Neil on that second line, I think we can agree we have two real first lines now. But then, especially when, when the Shan line came out with, with Kara and Russell, I mean, they cycled that puck like you wouldn't believe. And so this momentum that the top two lines would build up, then these guys would keep the puck in the Islanders' end for, for the next 45 seconds. That was such a great game from Jujar Kara. Maybe his best game as an Oiler. Like, I know he didn't, uh, I don't think he, he didn't score did he? he didn't put up any points but wow he he was just a force out there and this is the player like i mean i remember watching him in bakersfield and his i think it was his third season by the end he was that kind of dominant player at the ahl level he was just a force on the ice and we saw it now and then when he came into the uh with the oilers but he's just been as bruce he calls bruce calls him the okotoks because he's which is which is it's a very complicated joke the okotoks is a big rock but it's this big rock is known as an erratic. An erratic, that's right. An erratic. So because, or no, he calls Cassian the Okotoks. I screwed it up, Bruce. Sorry. Well, I think but Kara, Kara, we got two Okotoks. He's erratic too. <laughs> he got you double know, one Okotoks. One of the moments that I thought really stood out is he had uh, he had young Dobson uh, on on the cycle in the corner, and he hung on to that puck for. I bet you if you put a clock on it, he he had the puck for twenty twenty five seconds. And Dobson just couldn't get a step on him. And because Kara's so big and strong, he couldn't push them off the puck either. To me, 
That's how JJ has to play. He's got pretty good wheels, but he has to be smart and use his size on the cycle. To me, that's where he's the best. I noticed that same play, Kurt, and I was thinking about Dobson. Welcome to the NHL, kid. Like you're playing, you're playing. I just thought you are playing against men now. This is this is the reality, and it ain't fun. You know the interest. The other so Shane played really well, and I had earlier been criticizing that line, saying I don't think they have enough speed to to do it with Kara and Shane on the same line. But I proven wrong tonight. Like I hope I get proven wrong a lot more nights because did that line ever play well? They were strong. I thought Haas was okay. I mean, he was a little bit culpable on the um, the, the last last goal, although it was a it, it developed into a two on one down low essentially. But you know, the interesting thing, both Haas and Neil on the power play, both those happened because of illness, right? Chase yes. on getting sick, and uh, well, Sheehan getting um, injured. So it's it's funny. Like we we've heard this this. It's one of the kind of the staples of hockey. Like the idea is like. Someone gets hurt, you got to take advantage of that opportunity. Well, we're seeing it this year, and we haven't seen that in a while, and it's, it's great to see. Well, think about it, David. We had 35 goals in the press box tonight. If you put together Chason's goals from last year uh, and, and the guy that we got from Arizona, that's 35 goals sitting in the press box. Last year, we all would have gone, oh, that's it. We're going to lose this game. So. <laughs> and we would have lost it, Kurt. You know it, too. All right, your bad thing. Um. I don't mean to dump on any particular uh, player after a strong performance like that, but I've yet to see anything that convinces me that, that Granlund should be in this lineup on a regular basis. Uh, quiet to a fault is how I would describe it. And with Josh Archibald, if he's healthy uh, Thursday in New Jersey, I can't imagine a world where Granlund stays in. Um, I certainly wouldn't pull Russell out after the performance that he had on that third line tonight. Not, not a chance. Yeah. A chance. So on, on an overall strong performance from the club tonight, I thought the weakest link was Marcus Granlund and he needs to pick it up or he's going to be fine at the pine way more often than he's used to. Yeah. Because they have, they have alternatives in chase on and, uh, Archibald and both of those guys would, could go in ahead of him. So my bad thing was, uh, you know, so the Oilers were, were dominant in this game, I thought. But it, it, nonetheless, I was having the heebie-jeebies. They were up 2-1. to one, And who comes down, uh, picks off, it was a bad line change is what it was. And then Sheehan lost the puck in the offensive zone. And New York turns the play around and um, Beauvillier gets a break and just rings one off the crossbar. And at that point, I was thinking, if that shot had gone in, I would have had, well, I would have had a lot of stress. Mainly, though, because last year, there's no chance if that shot went in that they would win the game. But, you know, the Oilers, they got, uh, they showed some resiliency. Like, the Islanders had the first goal here, right? And yep. first shot, first scoring chance, goes in. That in, in other years, that's a killer. But here we go. And, and you know what I think it is, Kurt? And we, we've remarked on this repeatedly. They've gone for skill and speed in the lineup. And I don't know if consciously, maybe they didn't have those players last year. Maybe that wasn't an option. You know, Todd McClellan didn't have Ethan Bear ready to go. He didn't have Joel Pearson ready to go. He didn't have Haas and Nygaard and some faster players. He had other players he had to use. So not necessarily blaming the coach uh, on this kind of thing, but just going with those fast players. I may be ambling, blaming the GM a bit, you know. Um, Holland's idea of hockey is it's paying off. Well, and I mean, here's just one example of speed on this night. It was in the first period, and and the puck got dumped dumped in on the right hand side. And I thought the skater had half a step on Ethan Bear, 
but Bear beat him back to the backboards, got body position on the guy, then had the presence of mind to wheel around, strip the puck, take a step and a half, and then clear it. I mean, that was a, a great play. Yeah, that's a play of someone who's played like 200 games in the NHL. Um, and, but it was because he put the work in in the offseason. He's got the wheels and the acceleration now. He was able to beat the Islander to the puck and, and wheel and make that play. I think Ethan Bear last year wouldn't have made that play, and, and the Islanders would have ended up on the cycle in the corner. I, I have never seen this Ethan Bear before. Nothing close. And I always thought, actually, I thought his skating is going to keep him out of the NHL. That's what I really believed all along. And so I'm, I'm as shocked as anyone at seeing this. Fantastic for him, though. Fantastic that he was able to do that as, uh, as get that kind of um, training. You know, he got some good coaching, but he also put in a tremendous amount of work. So good for him. And he's, I mean, like, I feel like knock on wood, knock on wood, knock on wood with everything we're saying here, because it's very early here. But he, he's holding his own right now in a very difficult situation. And, you know, Adam Larson uh, and Nurse were not that special in the preseason together. They weren't in the first game. They got eaten alive is the truth. And Bear and Nurse have been better. Darnell Nurse has been better. And well, you know what? Both some guys, hit. <laughs> tonight, they, they, those guys tied for the, for the team lead in, C, it's in CF and chances for you know, that pairing had the puck going north all night long, where Darnell's the transporter, uh, Ethan is the transition guy. Uh, I initially thought Ethan might be better off with Oscar, but now that I've seen two games with Darnell and, 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 and Bear, I'm thinking they're the, they're the better choice. Yeah, it's working out well, and it's freed up Nurse to do what he does best, like play, play on the attack. He's an attacking, aggressive player, and to have to have to play this defensive style, I don't think I don't think that's Darnell Nurse's game to be the shutdown guy. Honestly, so glad to see that. Okay, number. What is your number, Kurt? Uh, Eleven. Eleven. This is the first time the Oilers have been off to a three and O start for the regular season in eleven years. Eleven years. The last time we did this was two thousand eight, two thousand nine where we won four in a row. We beat the Avs, the Ducks, and then a home-and-home home against the Flames. We went. We started that season 4-0. and We haven't started a season 3-0 and since until this year. There's one player, one active player in the Oilers organization who was on that team in 2008-2009, David. Who is it? Sam Gagné. Sam Gagne. Yeah. So first, <laughs> first time in 11 years that we've gone 3-0. Feels kind of good, doesn't it? It feels, it feels fantastic because they just had to get off to this kind of start. And, and McDavid and Dreisaitl have just kind of hit another level. I, I, I mean, I think Connor has it. He's the same. In fact, I still think Connor's just a slightly, just a wee bit behind where he was last year. Yep. I still yep. see signs of that, a little bit of rust. With the puck... A um, few bobbles that you wouldn't normally see, but Drysaddle has never played this well. He, yep. he, he, is, he is a, he's in beast mode, and he has yep. been for the first three games. And if he keeps this up, wow, what kind of a season is he going to have? And he, in two ways, right? Like he's he's really good on both sides of the puck this year. Yeah, how many points did Leon have tonight? Two. He had two assists. Two assists. So he's got um, seven points in the three games. Okay, Kurt, my number is um, 14 to 3. That was the number of grade A chances that the Oilers had compared to the Islanders. So in the first two games, the Oilers, in the first game, they were outchanced uh, 14 to 7. In the second game, it was e pretty much even. It was 14 to 12. 
with the Kings getting a couple right at the end. Um, so, th- so that was kind of worrisome because the Kings are not a world-beating team this year, and the Canucks probably aren't either. And I'm not yep. saying the I'm not going to say the Islanders are either, but the, the Oilers needed to show they could outchance a team. You've got to be able to outchance teams if you're going to win consistently, and they did it, and they did it convincingly. Like, and they had, as you say, it was it was a four-line effort, and um, great to see. Well, let's bold face what you just said because remember they did it against the team that had the best defensive record in the NHL last year. This They didn't just do that against some run-and-gun fire wagon hockey club. You know, uh, these were the guys that had the lowest goals against average in the league, and we put up a five spot on them. Not bad. You know what I'm noticing? And 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 uh, this would be something that, that Bruce would, would uh, have noticed. The owners are getting some penalty calls in their favor this year. Like there was a, in early in the game, there was an interference call on McDavid where someone grabbed him. Would have never yep. been a penalty. And I just wonder if the league has finally figured out, this guy's our meal ticket. Refs, could you watch him? And when he gets mauled, would you call a bloody penalty for once? Because he was yeah, getting all last year and he, what, there, it wasn't happening. And now, and I've seen it two or three times this year where there's yeah. been penalty calls that wouldn't have happened last year, I believe. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. You know what? And it's not just him. In the third period, Zach Cassian was making a rush down the left-hand side. And uh, he grabbed the guy's stick and just picked it up and chucked it into the corner. <laughs> and I kept waiting for the whistle to blow, and it never did. So I, I think we're maybe getting a, a good swing from the Zebras, which, I mean, when's the last time we got that? So. Oh, a long time ago, Kurt. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> This wasn't a good thing or a bad thing or a number, but I, but I, but I do have this lasting vision in my mind of Leo Komarov standing on the bench, wondering what train hit him at the blue line tonight. <laughs> now that hit from Darnell Nurse, man, that was uh, that counted. I think he got him in the chest. I, I, I think if they review that, and I don't think they will, but I think if they did, they would see that Nurse hit him in the chest, shoulder. That was the point of contact. But I didn't have, I don't have super slow-mo on my TV anymore because I changed cable providers. I just can watch it at regular speed. So you'd have to do that. But how did you see it? Did you see it as a legal hit or a... Or I thought, I totally thought it was a legal hit, yes. And I, I thought it was shoulder chest. Yeah, so good. And they so they yeah. called it right too. And yeah. it was a key key moment in the game because it led to the retaliatory, retaliatory penalty uh, and they scored on it. So that's that was very, uh, that was like uh, the old Russian teams, right? You, you never, when you, when people rough you up, you just let it happen, get the power play, score a goal. That's how 100%. you punish, punish them. Alrighty. Anything, any, any other thoughts, anything to add? We're good. I really like that outlet pass that Ethan Bear put on uh, Connor McDavid's tape. And then uh, McDavid blew past Pellich and got that shot on net. More of that, please. Um, um, and watching Parison, I'm still not convinced that he can defend at a top four level in the NHL. I got to say, um, I do like his coolness in the defensive zone with the puck and he makes tidy little passes, which I do appreciate, but I'm waiting for us to come up against a really strong offensive team before I, I put a final verdict on how good of an NHL defenseman your old person is at this point. Yeah. I'm, I'm really unconvinced. And I think he, I think more to the point, he looks like he's unconvinced. That's what it looks like to me, Kurt. Like we have a, a player who's struggling uh, with his confidence right now, who doesn't want to assert himself. So finally, when the game was four to one, 
he made a little offensive foray where he took the puck at the, the offensive blue line, took it around the net, and he almost had a wraparound goal. And it was the first time he kind of asserted himself in that way. So I think we're only seeing about 60% of his game right now because I think he's playing like, ooh, like don't want to screw up. And when you play that way, then you, you, you he hasn't been caught out yet, but I, I have the same feeling exactly. Like he, he, he needs Clefbaum to constantly tell him, like, buddy, go for it. Play your game. Yeah. If you're going to fail do it playing your A game, not your B game or your C game. And yeah, I'm sure that's what they are telling him. David, yeah. That's what they are telling him, I'm sure. But uh, uh, that's, that's how I see it as well. And, and you're right. Like there was, there was no sustained uh, pressure on him tonight. And his puck moving was good, but it was, it was tentative. So hopefully it's kind of a race with his confidence and his skill and his familiarity against getting caved in a few times and losing all of that. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Koskinen was good enough tonight, but I got to think they go back to Smith on Thursday, don't you? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I definitely think that'll be the case. I mean, don't they have a run now of like off and on games, off and on games? And yeah, they'll, they'll be going back to Smith. Yeah. And New Jersey, I think the Devils, that's the second to back to backs for them, if I remember right. Oh, good. Well, that's never played the Oilers' advantage in recent years, catching teams on those off nights. But maybe, maybe this is this year's all screwed up in a good way. So, <laughs> thanks, Kurt. Thanks for talking tonight. It's fun. We're we're on a roll here, David. Let's let's keep the wins coming. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. All right. Let me just figure out how to turn this off. There we go.